Luke 11, 1 through 4. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now flip back to 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask We know that we have what we have asked of him. Thank you, Jana. You know, it's the second week of the 40 days for prayer. And last week we talked about up in Christ, uh, becoming mature in the Lord, and it involved uh, spiritual disciplines. And this week it's kind of like prayer 101. So this is not a stewardship sermon I missed it in the bulletin, but the bulletin says paying 101. So I'm, it should be praying 101, and we're going to learn how to pray, talk about some basic things about prayer, some foundational truths about prayer, some pillars about prayer. I mean, even the disciples, the 12 guys that Jesus handpicked and to follow him, his entire ministry, they didn't know how to pray. You know, Janet just read Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, that's an amazing thing. They watched Jesus pray, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, these 12 guys got to watch Jesus do everything he did while he was here on earth. I mean, they saw him do everything. They saw him do all kinds of miracles, heal people, raise the dead, turn the water into wine, do miracles, cast out demons, all kinds of supernatural stuff. Never once did the disciples say, Lord, Teach us how to do miracles. Not one time. And then they heard Jesus teach. And, you know, he's the greatest teacher in history. The greatest preacher on the planet. I mean, this great masterpiece and messages and stories that Jesus told that have been studied and talked about for 2,000 years. Never once did the disciples say, hey, Lord, teach us to teach. Or teach us how to preach. Instead, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why? Because watching the master, they knew that all the power behind his miracles, all the power behind his teaching, all the power behind his preaching was through prayer. Jesus prayed constantly. He talked to God the Father in the mornings and in the afternoons and in the evenings, in the secret, in front of other people, in all different ways. But as they looked at him, they realized that all of the power and all of the blessings that came in his life through his connection Uh, It was through his connection with God, the Father. That's where it came from. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So I want to talk about some foundational truths about prayer, some pillars about prayer. Pillar number one, God loves for me to talk to him. Now, that's kind of basic, isn't it? But he does. God loves for me to talk to him about anything. It doesn't have to be something spiritual. It doesn't have to be something religious. It just has to be whatever I'm interested in. If you're interested in something, guess what? God is interested in it too. 
You know why? Three reasons. Number one, because he loves you. That's why. God loves you. I mean, you wouldn't exist if God hadn't wanted to love you and create you to love you. It's the reason you're alive. When, when you love somebody, you're interested in, in what they're interested in. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've actually become interested in because my wife is interested in them, and I love my wife. And so what she's interested in, I'm interested in knowing about too. And so God loves you. Secondly, you know, where do you think you got all those interests? You got them from God. You know, all the things that you consider, you know, your hobbies or your favorite sports or the things you like to do, where in the world did, did you get those desires? You got them from your creator. creator. I mean, he, he wired you with them. He put them in you. He gave every one of us different desires because we all like to do different things, don't we? That way everything in the world gets done. But your desires didn't just come out of thin air. The reason you like to do what you do is because God made you to like to do those things. And if God put that interest in you, he actually knows what you're interested in more than you do. And he loves you. And he gave you your interests. The third reason uh, he's interested in whatever you're interested in is that he, he actually enjoys talking to his kids. He's your father. The Bible calls him you know, our Father who is in heaven. Parents are interested in what their kids are interested in, and God is interested in what you are interested in. You know, Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Some versions say those who reverence him. That means they spend time with him. God the Father, he's tender. He's compassionate. He's intimately interested in everything you are interested in. Those of you who are parents, when you started having babies, did you wait until your kids could talk in order to start loving them? Of course not. When we had our three kids, I loved them from the moment that they were, were born. I mean, even when all they could do is pee and poop and spit. You know? They couldn't even smile when they were first born. They had no emotion. They had no means of communication, but I love them deeply. Why? I'm their daddy. I'm their father. And whether they could talk or not, I had this deep, deep love for them. And let me just say this about you. Whether you ever talk to God or not, or whether you ever pray or not, God loves you. He deeply, deeply loves you. Whether you won't talk to him, or you don't talk to him, or you can't talk to him, he still loves you deeply, just like a parent loves a child who can't communicate. And that's the way God is with you. He loves you whether you communicate with him or not, whether you pray to him or not. But God longs for the day that you talk to him, that you talk to him about all the stuff that's important to you. Parents long for that day that they can have a conversation. And God wants you to grow up so that you can learn how to talk to him. And that's called prayer. Learning how to pray, it's, it's almost like learning another language. You know, like, you know, learning English, or, you know, we go down to Nicaragua, you gotta learn a little Spanish, um, Korean language, whatever language you use, you have to do certain things to learn it. Prayer is a language. It's a spiritual language of God, and you have to learn it. So how do you learn how to pray? Well, how do you learn a language? Well, you listen to other people praying. You listen to other people, and that's how babies learn languages. They listen to others. They start imitating, and then 
But then they learn on their own, and then they start practicing a little bit, and they get better, and then all of a sudden, maybe a word comes out, and then maybe a few words, and, and then words become sentences. Now, let me ask you, did your first sentence make any sense? I doubt it. I doubt you came out of the womb saying, four score, and seven years ago. No. When you said your first words, you could barely say them correctly, but your parents were smart enough to interpret what you were saying, and you know what? God is smart enough to interpret what you're saying to him, even when you can't say it correctly, even when you can't say it very well. Why? Because he loves you, and your first sentences in prayer might not make a whole lot of sense, but that doesn't matter. God loves you, and he cares about you, and he's not waiting for you to become mature before he starts loving you. He loves you at every stage of your life. He loves it. He loves it when you talk to him because he's your father. And just like a parent loves it when their child talks to them. The passage that Jana read in, in 1 John, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So twice in that verse, it says, we know, we know that he hears us. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a for sure. You know, God always hears you no matter how you say it, no matter when you say it or how loud you say it. Or if you think, just think it in your mind. God listens to you, he hears you, and because of that, it says that we can be confident in approaching God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus and because he wants us to. We can be sure that he's gonna answer. We have confidence and that means that when you pray, God says you can pray with no shame. You can pray with no fear at all. Pray with no hesitation. You can pray with no embarrassment. There's nothing you can say that'll make God stop loving you. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing that will embarrass you. Nothing that will cause shame or fear because God loves it when you talk to him. And prayer's a conversation, it's not a ceremony. I mean, what's a ceremony? It's something with a bunch of rules and restrictions and regulations and you have to do it in a certain way or it just doesn't work. You know, it's not go out and repeat this prayer 10 times and, and then he'll hear you. No, it's not that at all. That's a ceremony, you have to, you know, it's like you have to do it just right or it really doesn't count. You know, there's, there's no just right way to pray. Prayer is not a ceremony. Prayer is a conversation. And in a conversation, it means you talk, but guess what? You also listen. You know, God, is there anything that you want to say to me right now? Have you ever done that? You know, sometimes when I read the word, you know, sometimes there's maybe an impression in my heart or in my mind from that word that I've read. Uh, sometimes nothing, you know? And prayer is a conversation. And during... Uh, this 40 days of prayer, let's learn not only to talk to God, but let's learn how to listen to God because that's a conversation. It's not a monologue. It's not a speech. It's not a poem. It's not an essay. Talking and listening to God is a conversation. And also, it's, it's a relationship. It's not a ritual. You know, it's about getting close to God. It's about talking to God and becoming acquainted with God and getting to know God. I mean, our mission statement here at Calvary is, you know, we want to know Christ and we want to make him known. So, you know, if prayer is boring for you, it's because you don't understand the whole point of prayer. 
You know, it, it, it becomes a, a duty. It becomes drudgery. And then it becomes, you know, I should pray. I ought to pray. You know, I have to pray. And friends, once you, once you get into that trap, you're not going to want to pray because guilt motivation only lasts about as long as the guilt does. You know, love motivation, that's different. Motivated by love, that is, that is a whole different ballgame. It's stronger. God doesn't want you to feel guilty about prayer. He loves to talk to you. He loves to listen to you talk to him. Guilt has nothing to do with it. It's not a duty. You know what? It's a privilege. Think about it. I get to talk to the creator, the master of the universe, and he wants to listen. What an amazing truth that is. And not only is it amazing that he wants to listen, but he's interested in everything that I'm interested in. I mean, you can talk to God about anything. Nothing's off limits because God loves it when you talk to him about anything. That's the first law of prayer. That's the first principle. That's the first pillar of prayer, the first foundational truth. The second one, pillar number two, is God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. You know, you don't have to use flowery language. You don't have to use fancy phrases. You don't have to sound spiritual. You don't have to use religious cliches. You just talk to God. I mean, the only condition is that it is sincere. That means it comes from the heart. It's simple. It's authentic. It's real. It's gusty. It's honest. You pray about what you feel like praying about, not what you think you ought to pray about. It, it's just simple. It's just sincere. You don't just get up there and start addressing God like, oh, thou great, almighty, potentate of the universe, who, you know, thou Thou wouldst dost wonderfully bestow all manners of bestich blessings. And God goes, huh? You know, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, first, why are you talking in 200-year-old English? I'm not from England. God is not from England. You know, you don't have to sound like Shakespeare to pray. God understands every language. Think about it. He understands all the slang. You know, he just knows it all because he invented it all. You don't have to be super spiritual sounding when you pray. God hears and he listens to the prayers that are sincere and simple. They're real. They're gutsy. They're honest. And when you don't feel good, God, I don't feel like talking to you right now. Have you ever prayed that one? God, I'm mad at you. Have you ever prayed that one? That's a prayer. God, I don't get it. I prayed for this and it hasn't happened. That's a prayer. You know, God just wants you to be honest. And if you don't understand this, just read the Psalms. I mean, one-third of the Psalms, 50 of them, of the 150 Psalms, they're Psalms of lament. Did you know that? They're complaints. Right there in the Bible, complaints to God. He's a big boy. He can handle it. God, I've been asking you for this job and it hasn't showed up yet. I'm still out of work. I need some help here. When you say it like that, it's honest. You know, it's authentic. It's real. God loves prayers that are simple and sincere, not the phony baloney stuff, all the religious jargon. And you know what? Longer is not stronger. This one's for me. Longer is not stronger. Sincere, simple, humble, authentic. God's much more interested in those kinds of prayers than long-winded, almost like sermons. You ever hear somebody, they're, they're, they're praying, it's like they're preaching to everybody here. They're not talking to God. They're talking about to everybody in the room. 
That's not prayer. Are you kidding? Sermon prayers where you go on and on and on and on. No, no, no. You don't need to do that. Longer is not stronger. You just get to the point. Jesus had a lot to say about praying sincerely and honestly from your gut, from your heart, simply without trying to sound super spiritual. Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. It's in his famous Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about prayer, and here's what Jesus says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. In other words, for them, prayer was a performance. You know, it was a performance art. Watch me, everybody. I'm going to really impress you with this one. Get ready, everybody. Buckle up. Am I going to pray a good prayer? And you're all going to be wowed by my prayer. Here we go. They're not praying to God. They're just showing off. The great pretenders. He says, when you pray, don't be like those hypocrites who pray just to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. In other words, they're not going to get any more reward than that, just the praise they got from somebody who thought they were really impressed by that prayer. I tell you the truth, he says, instead... When you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is seen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, he says, don't keep on babbling on and on and on and on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Longer is not stronger. Don't be like them. It's Jesus talking, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask. It's not like you've got to convince God or let God know something he doesn't already know. But he still wants us to pray. He wants us to put ourselves in that position of dependence upon almighty God and to come to him as simply and honestly and humbly as we can and talk about what we need. You know, so be sincere. Don't just spout off cliches. Just keep it simple. You know, adding words to your prayer doesn't make it any stronger. You know, stay humble or you're, you're going to stumble. That's for all of us. You stay humble or you're going to stumble. Hebrews 10, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. I mean, this is the bottom line, two qualifications, sincerity, simplicity. Sincere heart and a sure faith. Sincere heart means, God, I'm not going to talk to you about what I'm not interested in. I'm going to talk about what... How I, how I really feel. You already know the way I feel. I just need to spout it out or spit it out to you. I just need to confess it to you. I need to talk to you about what I'm feeling right now. You know, I might be I'm upset. I'm worried. I'm nervous. You know, I'm confused. I'm afraid. Just talk to God about whatever you're feeling. We used to sing an old gospel hymn. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Sincere heart and then a sure faith. We come to God with confidence. We come boldly to the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. We have access to the presence of God. We're not afraid to talk to him. We're not embarrassed to talk to him. We're not hesitant to talk to him. We're not ashamed to talk to him. He's a loving heavenly father who loves to talk with us and he loves us to talk to him. He loves to listen to you and so we come to him with a sure faith and we come to him with confidence. So first, God loves for me to talk to him really about anything, whatever I'm interested in and God listens to prayers that are Simple and sincere, 
you know, sincere and simple. And then foundational truth number three, pillar of prayer number three, God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. Don't you love that one? God is a good God. We sing, you know, he's a good, good father. He is. He's a gracious father. He's a compassionate and a loving father, and God loves to answer prayer because he gets to show what he's really like. I mean, everything in the universe comes from the generosity of God. No one is more generous than God. And when you pray and you ask for something in prayer, you make a request, you make a petition, and it gives God the opportunity to show what he's really like. And so God loves it when you request. He loves it when you petition. He loves it when you supplicate. In fact, over 20 times in the New Testament, we are commanded to ask. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. You have not because you ask not. You ask anything in my name. Over 20 times, if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus, you're commanded to ask God for things. Why? God gets to show how good he is. He gets to show how gracious he is, how loving he is, how generous he is. And with every answer that God gives you through prayer, it just shows that he is a good, good God, regardless of the answer. I mean, you don't get an answer yes to every prayer that you pray. You know that from experience, don't you? But even when the answer is no, even when the answer is not yet, God is still a good, good father. Question, do you know any parent in the entire world that gives a child everything that the child asks for? Of course not. That would ruin that child. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of reasons why parents don't give their children everything they ask for. There are dozens and dozens of good reasons why God doesn't say yes to everything that you ask for. You may not understand why, but, you know, you're not God. And there are dozens of reasons. Sometimes, you know, God says no for our protection. Sometimes he says no for our direction. Sometimes God says no for our correction, you know, to correct us you know, on course. Sometimes God says no for our perfection, you know, to help us to grow in character. And sometimes God says no for our inspection. And he looks inside of us and he helps us see what we couldn't see before. A child that got everything they asked for would be simply spoiled. God's much more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And he loves you too much to say yes to everything. You know, God, he's not a vending machine, you know, where you just put, put in the prayer and, and you pull it out and you get whatever. And a vending machine sometimes will give you some stuff that's bad for you. God says, I didn't say I'd answer it, you know, every way that you want, but I'm going to answer. And people say, well, God, you didn't answer me. And God says, yes, I did. I said, no. You know, that was the answer. No. When you pray, there's always four possible answers to prayer, Right? Four possible answers. God always answers every prayer, and the four answers he gives are either yes, no, not yet, or you've got to be kidding me. Right? I mean, have you ever prayed some of those requests, and God's going, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe he asked for that, you know? You know, you're asking, come on. A child, a baby, doesn't know the difference between no and not yet. I mean, maturity is actually to realize that God's delays are not always God's denials, right? And a lot of times God says, I have every intention of giving this to you, just not yet. You are not ready for it, and before I can give you the solution, you've got to have a little growth here, 
in your character because I'm going to give you something far bigger and more wonderful that you, than you're even asking for. There's a difference between no and not yet, and maturity knows the difference. And God always answers prayers, and he shows his grace, and he shows his goodness, whether the answer is yes or no or not yet. You know, last week on the way out of church, I shared uh, God's telephone number, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, you know, ring him up, call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. And sometimes God's answer is this bigger perspective that he wants to give you. Sometimes you ask for something, and God goes, you have no idea what you're asking for. And that's not really well, what you want. And I know what you want more than you know what you want. And I want you to be happy, and I want you to be holy. And that will not make you happy, and that will not make you holy. You think it's going to make you happy, but it won't. So I'm going to give you a bigger perspective. Call to me, and I'll answer you, and my answer will not be the yes. My answer will be, I'm going to show you some things that you could never figure out on your own. And then you get this bigger perspective. I remember when Ruth Graham was alive, Billy Graham's wife, she said, you know, if God would answer all my prayers, I would have married the wrong man several times. Garth Brooks, he used to sing, thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, Father knows best. Some of the prayers, if you've gotten an answer, <clears throat> it would have been a disaster in your life. God will only give you what is good. He's a good God. A vending machine will give you something bad. God only give you what is good in, in your life. Matthew 7, 11, it says, you know, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Isn't that something? The parallel passage in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, says the same thing, only there's a little change at the end. It says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? Have you ever asked for good things? God's gonna, God wants to give you good things. I mean, if, if we, being evil, know how to do that for our kids, how much more will God give good things and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's what the Bible says. Read it. Kind of obvious, God is a perfect father. He's only gonna give you good things, but he wants to give you stuff that you haven't even imagined. James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. When you don't pray, there's a lot of things that you miss out on life. You know, when you get to heaven, there could be a, a big list of things that you missed out because you never asked for them. You have not because you ask not. And God's not gonna just give it to you. He wants you to learn to talk to him and place yourself in that position of dependence. He wants you to learn the language of prayer. He wants you to learn to grow up in God. And the foundational pillars about prayer, God loves for me to talk to him about anything that's on my mind. It doesn't have to be spiritual conversation. It's not a ceremony. It's a conversation. You know, I listen and I speak. It's a, it's a relationship, not a ritual. God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple, and then he loves to show his goodness by answering prayer. Now, there's a fourth truth, and I think it's the biggest one of all. I think this is huge, this last one. I mean, if you get this, if you really understand it, I think it's going to radically change your life. And I don't mean just getting it intellectually. I mean actually feeling it. It's going to change the way you look at everything. 
It's going to change the way you look at money or sex or time, job, past, present, future. Number four, the fourth truth on which all prayer is built is this. Pillar number four, God longs to be close to me. He desires it. He wants it deeply. He wants to be close to you. He wants, to be close. he wants you to be close to him. I mean, if you're far away from somebody that you love, you know, for a long, long time, you can't wait to get together with them and to talk to them. God can't wait for you to talk to him. He loves you so very, very, very much. He longs to be close to you. He's waiting to talk to you. He's waiting for you to talk to him. And he's not busy, you know, like, can you hold the phone? You know, all the circuits are busy. Can you call back later? I'll get in touch. No, he's not like that. He's longing to be close to you, and it's a privilege to be close to God. He's got a 24-hour drop-in system. He's never offline. You can talk to him any moment of the day, any second of the day. Isaiah 30, verse 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Did you know that? Do you know that every day you go without prayer, without reading God's word, without spending time with God, God is, is waiting for you? I mean, you were made for this. You were made to know God. We want to know Christ and make him known, right? You were made for a relationship. You were made for a fellowship with God, and he's waiting. The Lord waits for you to come to him so that he can show you his love, so he can show you his compassion. It's the whole reason that you exist. Some of you are parents, and you know the unique pain of a child that can't talk. And that's a heartache. He loved that child deeply, but for whatever reason, a physical reason, a brain reason, an emotional reason, they can't talk to you, and it, it breaks your heart because you love that child very, very much, but they haven't learned the language, and they just can't talk to you. And you can't have a conversation with them, and it kind of hurts as a parent when you love them, and they can't talk to you. And then others of you, you've been a parent of a child who they can talk to you, but they won't. And they don't. And they've shut you out of their lives at this point. And the ache in your heart is great because you just long to talk with them. And you long to just sit and listen to them. And you long for that phone call. And it hurts you because they can talk, but they won't. And they don't. And that's the way God feels about you when you don't talk to him. When you go a day or days or weeks and you haven't spent any time alone with God, God, just you and me, a few minutes here, here we are, just checking in, you know, here's what's on my heart, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I need, here's, you know, I love you, I, I don't understand this, whatever's on your heart, my doubts, my fears, my gripes, my moans, highs, lows, it's like a parent going, why won't you talk to me? I created you, why won't you talk to me? I love you, I want this relationship with you. And your kid turns around and he walks away. Don't do that to God. Don't do that to your Father in heaven, the God who created you. You see, God designed you for a relationship, and the only reason you're alive is God made you to love you. And if God didn't want to love you, you wouldn't exist. You weren't put on this planet to mark things off your to-do list. You were put on this planet to be loved by God and to learn to love him back, and he made you to love you. You were chosen. I know we choose him, but you were chosen to be his child. You were formed for his family. You were created for companionship. He made you to love you. Listen to the passion of this next verse, and this is God talking to you in Hosea 6.6. 6. 
talking to Israel, but I think it can, can be applied to all of us. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Can you feel that passion? The longing that God has for you. I just want you to, to know me. I know everything about you. God says, I know everything about you, good, bad, and ugly. Nothing is going to make me stop loving you. I want you to know me. I love you. No one will ever love you. No man or woman will ever love you like God does. No one will ever love you like God does. God wants you to learn to love him back. He wants you to be able to receive his love. He, he wants to, to, to just listen to you talk about what's important to you. He wants to have a friendship, a companionship, and a relationship with you. Here's a verse that'll, that'll, that'll get you. You know, John 15, 15. And Jesus says this, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. Wow, are you kidding me? You know, God wants to be your friend. I know there's extremes. You can, you know, oh, me and Jesus, we're buddy, buddy. You know, this is extreme that way that I don't know if it's real biblical. And then there's this, you know, totally other where, you know, you can't even approach God. But Jesus said this. He said, I, call, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. God wants to be your friend. That's what it says. And Jesus said, I call you my friends, the creator of the universe, this God that died on the cross for you. I want to be your friend. I made you to be my friend. Are you kidding me? That's not about ritual. That's not about regulation. Or It's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about a friendship. And God says, I call you friends. Wow. You were formed for a friendship with God. And if you miss that, you miss the purpose of your existence. You miss it because you were not put on this planet to make money, retire, and die. You were put on this planet to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit that lasts forever, that lasts for eternity. And so don't miss the purpose of your existence. Listen, there's nothing more important in your life than for you having a fellowship and a friendship and actually having a relationship with Jesus. A lot of people know all about God. They just don't know him. Jesus is my best friend. I have walked with him for 46 years. I know him better than I know most of you. And I want you to know, and he wants you to know him. He wants you to feel his love. He wants you to be able to hear his voice. God wants you to know him. And that's why we're doing this 40 days of prayer. It's just not another program. Let's just hate another program. We don't need another program. But that's why we're doing this 40 days of prayer. Don't miss out. Get in a group. Don't miss Sunday. Read the devotionals. Don't just walk away and casually say, oh, that's nice to know. I've already done that. How do I get closer to God? Two ways. Desire it and make time for it. That's the only way you're going to get closer to God. If you feel far from God, guess who moved, right? God didn't move. The only way you can get closer to God is to desire it and to make time for it. And that's in these next two verses. Psalm 25, 14. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. One version says friendship with God. There it is. What a phrase. Would you like friendship with God? Friendship with God is reserved. In other words, not everybody gets to be a friend of God. Friendship with God is reserved for those who fear him, those who reverence him, 
They make time for him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. Friends share secrets. God shares secrets with you when you make time for him. And that's friendship with God. And then James 4, 8. You know, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. There it is. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. It's a promise. We used to sing, you know, Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. That's what he wants. The entire purpose of the next 40 days, or 33 now, is to deepen our friendship with God. We need to know him better. We need to know him closer. He's waiting. He is longing for you to get to know him. He's waiting for you to talk to him about anything that you're interested. Nothing is off limits. So let me pray. God, I just thank you uh, for your love. And I want to be simple. I want to be short here. (laughs) I want to be sincere. God, I want the people that are here today to know you. To accept Jesus and then they want to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus. I want them to fall in love with you. Lord, I don't want us to be a lukewarm church that goes through the motions. I, I would ask that we would return to our first love for you, Lord. That you would restore the great commandments at Calvary Church to love you, God, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And God, I ask you to take these words today, your word and the words that were spoken to touch our hearts. We want to know you better in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to to worship you through giving. Lord, that we can bring the tithe in and Lord, that we can express our love to you in giving and I thank you that you are a friend. We have no greater friend than you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.